Welcome back to Coffee Conversations and Badasses Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Hayes, and you don't want to miss this episode. You're going to figure out how Michael Mothan escaped out of prison and got sober. But it's not how you think. Michael, how the hell are you doing, buddy? Dustin, good to see you, man. I, I, I love what you're doing and um, your producer and the lighting and the sound. And this is great. I love this chair. We can go as long as you want. <laughs> that is so freaking funny, man. Cause I was like, man, I kind of want to change these chairs, man. They're comfortable. It's been a long week here in California. So it's, um, it's, well, it's good to be here. That's important. So as long as you're comfortable, then you know what? Maybe I have to keep these. Maybe these are the chairs. And they're nice to me. They, Better in prison. <laughs> I, well, do you have chairs in prison in no, your cells? No, 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 no chairs. Nothing in, you know, nothing that you can move around. It's a you know, little steel stool that's, you know, where you eat. So, or your, or your bunk, I, that's where you sit. That's it. That's it. So prison, man, you know, you, you didn't just uh, book this on Airbnb. No, yeah. no, no. It was a resort that I did not want to go to. No, you're not giving it five stars? No, it's, it's, it's actually, a, it's a, when a prison's good, they get a one-star rating. So if a prison gets a five-star rating, it's because they didn't do their job, right? So. <laughs> well, what happened that landed you in prison? Wow. Um, a lot of things, you know, but, you know, today as I, you know, look at my life through God's perspective, you know, what happened you know, the reason why I you know, went to prison and I was put on a detour, you know, so I could have this awakening uh, that I can start looking at life through God's perspective and not mine. But I am a recovering uh, drug addict alcoholic. Um, you know, I started doing drinking alcohol when I was 10 years old and um, I drank alcohol and I did drugs for the effect. You know, that's the honesty of recovery. It wasn't because I was dealt a bad deck, abused, sexually abused, you know, betrayed and all that. Um, a lot of things that we all deal with, uh, but I did it for the effect because I wanted to feel like everybody around me looked. Um, and as this stopped working um, in 2017, I was continuing to do drugs and alcohol because I wanted to feel good about the bad decisions I was making. And so that's how this disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. It speaks to me, my own voice, um, and it's deadly and it, it kills us. Uh, well, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, uh, you know, I got my first arrest in 2009. Um, and it was in a place I said I would never go. And when I got in there, I got my first mugshot. And I literally just said to myself, which number one is dangerous, um, but I meant it. You know, I'm never doing this again. You know, I'm done. It, this is, uh, this is, I'm over. And I meant it, you know, with every ounce of blood in my body, I really meant it. And I got bonded out and I had a second degree felony. I got pulled over with large amount of cocaine and intoxicated. And, um, I got my first mugshot and, you know, I, it's all new to me. You know, I grew up in a well-to-do family and I was very successful in business and, um, uh, was accomplishing all the worldly achievements. Um, and it really affected me that first mugshot and seeing all the people in there and the way that they live and the guards knew their name and, you know, they coming back. And, and, and when I got bonded out, you know, I get back, I got back to my place and I said, um, I just need one drink to, I got some anxiety. Um, and then 26 mug shots later, um, I had a spiritual awakening in the 26 mug shots, total of 27 mug shots. So 27 in six years, I did over four years incarcerated. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. And so, were they all alcohol related? Yeah, they were, you know, alcohol and drugs and probation violations and, you know, not showing up. And, um, you know, Judge Jennifer Bennett, you know, in Dallas, Texas is where, I'm, where I live and I'm from. Um, you know, she had enough and she finally said, you're going to mind somebody, you're going to mind me. So I was in and out of prison and um, different places and trying to get clean. I, I could just, you know, I'd get out, you know, the gas of the world would hit me and I'd be drunk and high and within 24 hours uh, until I had this spiritual awakening um, while incarcerated, July 7th, 2017, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into here in a little bit, uh, that changed my life forever, uh, which eventually is why I'm sitting here today in California uh, talking to you. Why, why do you, why do we go through these, these destructive modes? Like we already have enough going on. Right. And our first instinct you know, if you're a drug addict or alcoholic, it's like, oh, you know what? I just need that one last one. <laughs> this one's going to take care of it. And I'm never going to do this again. Well, it, it's insanity and it is a disease. You know, um, when I tour and I speak, you know, I, I have a, it's called the, we are all addicts tour. You know, everyone is an addict, everyone, you know, drug addiction and alcoholism, you know, has a stigma to it because of the consequences are so severe. Um, and my actions um, are so visible and, and severe. Um, you know, why do we do it? You know, for me personally, you know, I, I was chasing that first, ah, you know, I never remember the, Ugh. you know, I never remember put your hands behind your back. I never remembered all that stuff. I just remembered that first ah. And so I was always chasing that feeling. Um, you know, drugs and alcohol uh, gave me this euphoria where when I would go into the future in my mind alone, and we start this at a very young age where we start thinking about the future and we're in our head alone. For me, it would create anxiety and fear and paranoia. And I didn't like that feeling. So I didn't think anybody else felt that way. So I would shift the view and I would go to the past. And when I'd go to the past, I would get angry, resentful, depressed. You know, a lot of people fight with depression um, and regret. And I didn't like that feeling. So I would do this game in my head going back and forth, back and forth. Meanwhile, I wasn't recognizing that I wasn't thinking about today, what was really happening. So I was going back and forth and back and forth. And when I took that first drink, and that first drug, it gave me that sense of ease and comfort. And it gave me this euphoria of being in the now. So the future quieted up, the past quieted up. And so in order to stay in the now, so I could feel like everybody around me looked, I would do more and more drugs and more and more alcohol. Was that because you were surrounded by drug addicts and alcoholics? Uh, not really. I mean, you know, it was, it was in our family and, um, which was another confusing deal because we seemed to be a very put together family. My dad was very successful, you know, and um, mom was a stay at home mom. Um, behind closed doors, it was it was very confusing for me. But outside, you know, the house, going to the country club, and all that, you know, I'm like, this is not who we are. You know, it's just a totally different look. But you know, but but for me, I was. I was chasing visible things to try to fix my invisible problems. So 
what is addiction? What is addiction? And the definition of addiction is simply this. It's the street name for spiritual stronghold, okay? False idols, okay? Addiction is a person, place, thing, or a thought that has become my source. So a lot of people can relate to that because people could, when, they're, when they want to feel in the now, they can get into work, they can get into exercise, they can get into food, gambling, pornography, service work, you know, helping others. I mean, I see a lot of people do that real busy, moving their feet. They're very busy, 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 busy. They can't sit down uh, because they're trying to find how to get into the now because they don't want to be alone by themselves, right? Because they get into fear. And so we are all addicts um, and recognizing that um, is where we get um, this sense of, of, of ease in living in the now. And I've come to realize that living in the now, right here, right now, is the safest place in the world because that's where God's at. You know, that's what I found out. And I learned that in prison. You learn living in the now and this is where God's at. In prison. I learned that. And, and the way that I learned that was on my 27th mugshot. I, you know, my last drink and drug was May 29th, 2017. And, you know, if they would have let me out on May 30th, I would have been ripping and running again. Um, but they put me in, you know, I've never put hands on anybody, but they put me in this aggravated assault tank. You know, they categorize, you know, your charges and all this stuff. And they put the chomos, you know, child molesters together. And they put, you know, just the... You know, no, the, I, d- I don't know. Yeah, so they they class it's called classification. They'll put the child molesters together. They'll put the murderers together. Uh, they'll put the um you know, the different levels of crime. They put those people together, right? And they made a mistake. They put me in the murder tank, and so I'm in this lockdown tank um, with all these murderers, and that's where I went. And we were locked. I was in a two man cell, and you know for um for a long time, you know, for almost 18 months. And um, it was rock and roll. I mean, I saw a guy get killed in front of me, saw a guy commit suicide and they're fighting all the time. And, you know, I'm the only white guy in there. So they, and I'm, I'm, it's kind of intimidating because they're checking me, you know, they're like going, this guy's like, he's a cop or he's, or he's a punk, which is gay, you know, because I was real proper. And so when I got in there, you know, I just stayed to myself. And, but when they'd open the so, doors. So that's how they classified you in prison? As either a punk, which means you're gay. Yeah, that's a, that's the prison talk. But me being a white guy coming into this tank, I was the only, I was the minority, right? And so it was just a, at first it was a really weird feeling. They weren't doing it to me. I was doing it to me, you know? So you had like imposter syndrome a little bit going on? Yeah, so, um, but they were so, you know, at the end of the day, they were so good to me. But anyway, so I'm, I'm in there and, you know, this this guy comes in and he's got this book, you know, it's, just a real boring white cover and he just gave it to me, you know, and I just threw it on my bunk and, you know, I, every time the doors would open, I would just pacing around the day room, you know, just pacing because I'm in my head. I'm like, I don't have any dope and I don't have anything. And, and, um, and I know I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm out of there. And when they locked me down, this old guy was in my, was my cellmate, which is my celly. He was 75 years old, you know, doing life for murder. And um, they called him Ooh-wee, you know. But they call him Ooh-wee. Ooh-wee. So apparently when he was a kid on the streets, you know, he had polio in one leg. And, you know, he walked down the streets, the girls say, you know, Ooh-wee. You know, there you go. So it stuck. <laughs> so his name was Ooh-wee. And, and my name was Rabbit. You know, you have a nickname when you go to prison. You know, you, you don't use your free world name. So 
they called me rabbit because I was moving around so much. <laughs> and so we told me, he says, rabbit, you got to calm down. You're making everybody nervous. And, you know, they're going to chew you off the bone. But, you know, what happened was, you know, back to like, how did I find out living in the now in prison? Here's a very highly educated, successful man, you know, in here. Um, you know, one of the most well-known high-end luxury home builders, you know, in the area. And, you know, I'm in here and this man simply says, you know, what's that book say? And I said, well, it says Detours by Dr. Tony Evans. He goes, oh, I love me, Dr. Tony Evans. I said, well, who's that? And he says, well, he's a pastor in Oak Cliff outside of Dallas. And Oak Cliff is kind of, there's some areas of it that's the hood, you know? And I'm like, well, cool. He says, hey, will you do me a favor, Rabbit? And I said, what's that? He says, will you read it to me? I said, what are you talking about? He says, I can't read, I can't write. And I got really cool handwriting. And so- The 75-year-old man. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I'm living in a four by nine cell. The door's locked, you know, 20 hours, 18 to 20 hours a day. And so I started reading it to him. Um, it's just black words on white paper. And he's like, oh yeah, I reread that. And I read it to him and this book's laid out. And it's the story of Joseph, you know, how Joseph in the Old Testament was, you know, placed on these detours in his life and how God used him in all the situations that he was betrayed and, sold to slavery. And it's just a story to me. And I can really relate to this. I'm like, man, so I'm reading this and Dr. Evans in there has quotes, you know, and it talks about forgiveness and it talks about, you know, realizing when you hit rock bottom that all the times the rock up the bottom was God. And I'm like, whoa. And I realized that four days went by and I wasn't anxious, paranoid, depressed, scared. Um, and I had this awakening that, you know, for the first time, um, I was living in a now as a result of serving someone else. I was getting out of self, serving someone else. And then as the tank opened up, you know, people wanted me to read to them and the entire tank could not read or write. And so I was reading this. You have a whole population in prison. 45 men. That couldn't read or write. Read or and write. they're in there for murder. Bangers. These guys are bangers, you know, and they meant to murder people, you know. Um, and as I observed and listened to them and watched them and saw these common denominators as I could relate to, they had no relationship with their father. They had no dad. And so um, I was reading to them and I would actually read every night at dinner. You know, I'd get up and read something out of this. And then it led me to um, this gangbanger um, gave me his his Bible because he couldn't read it. It was, the, it was the living recovery Bible, the new living translation. And I was reading it by myself and, um, and it was, it was starting to make sense to me. And I would keep reading detour to these guys and there was a connection, but it was helping me. And this whole tank came together. Um, and we became serving one another and I became tank boss. I was the tank boss and the guards were amazed. What, what does that mean? What does a tank, tank boss, boss mean? means like, you know, everybody's coming to you. You're, you're running the tank, you know, and it's usually somebody, a gangbanger to, you know, run the tank. But I became the tank boss and I was the leader. I was the leader and, and, you know, guards will speak to the leader and they were blown away how this tank had come so close together and was so healthy, no fighting. Everybody's calm. Um, and it was just this, the spirit came over this tank and just fulfilled it. I see it now. I didn't know what was happening, but I saw what was changing. Um, that is so it, wild yeah. to think that could be an environment in yeah. prison. 
Yeah. So they, on May 29th, you know, I got apprehended. And on July 7th, 2017, I was in my top bunk and I, I couldn't breathe. This was after, you know, reading this stuff and, and, and digging into this book detours and um, I couldn't breathe. And I sat up in my, in my top bunk and I felt like I was having a heart attack, you know, but it wasn't like medical, it wasn't alarming or scaring. And, and I just took this deep breath and I just like exhaled and all this anger and resentment and all this stuff starts coming out of my body. I took this deep breath and I was just full of like ice water, all this love. I mean, this unbelievable love I was feeling that was like supernatural. Um, and then that's when, you know, you know, this God, the spirit, and I accepted Christ, you know, and he came into my life and um, it changed my life forever. Um, and then I caught chain, you know, they, they transformed me to uh, central Texas and I got down to central Texas and they put me in another rock and roll murder tank, same thing. And I'm sitting over by myself and I got my Bible, my book detours with me. They don't know me from Adam. Um, and I'm sitting there just, you know, doing me and an inmate comes up to me, goes, Hey man, what are you doing? He goes, I like your handwriting. I said, I'm just doing me, you know? I wasn't this jailhouse preacher, you know what I mean? Right. It was like, it was, I was just doing me. But in your handwriting is phenomenal too. Oh, like, thanks, like, thanks. You sent me a couple of things. I was like, dude, that rocks. Yeah, 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 they like it. So, um, and so he says, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just doing me. And he, and he says, what are you reading? And I told him I was reading. And he says, what's that say? I said, well, we'll read it. And he goes, I can't read. I can't write. And that's when I looked up at God. I see you. I see you. So he took me there and the same thing happened in that tank. Um, and it became very close to him. And then on October 13th, 2017, they came over the speaker and they said, Michael Moulton, bunk and junk. And the whole tank's going nuts, you know, and like, what? And even the guards didn't even understand. They're like, you're not free. You got another two years to go. And the state of Texas, um, they called it a technicality. But the state of Texas, as a result of me finally forgiving everyone who did me wrong and accepting it and looking at it through God's perspective to answer that question, why would you allow something to happen to me? Um, when I truly forgave him, he opened up and he set me free. And um, I literally just in my head, I said, um, God, what do you want me to do? He says, I want you to walk, you know, and through thoughts and feelings. And I shared in that I am second film, one of the films that's been done on me that, you know, it wasn't, I thought that was witchcraft, you know what I mean? But it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me through thoughts and feelings and it said, walk. So I traveled 300 miles to turn myself in and, and my judge had heard what had been wait, happening. So wait, hold on, hold on, hold yeah, on. Yeah. Back that up. Yeah. So they say, uh, what's it say? Bunk and junk. Mm -hmm. And you still have two years left on your term. Yep. And they released you out of prison. Yeah. Was that a, obviously you didn't break out of prison. No. Even though I said prison break, you no. didn't go out breaking out prison, chisel, hammer, no, no. makeshift tools. No. It was a technicality on the penal system or on the correctional yeah. system yeah. that set you free. Just. And then as you were free, now you're, now you're thinking you're a free man, right? Yeah. I mean, at that point, I, well, I was kind of confused. I was like going, maybe it was a technicality and, but I want to turn myself in and do my time. So they didn't do a search. They didn't have a warrant out for your arrest. No. They didn't have anything like that. No, before the guards even knew that I wasn't supposed to be let out and they pulled it up in the state of Texas says he's, he's, he's clear. I mean, it was, this is a biblical story, miracle kind of like thing for me, 
you know, and. How often does this happen? Never. First I would, time. I, it was the first time. I would say that's pretty biblical. I yeah. say that's pretty amazing, miraculous. Yeah. I mean, and so I just, um, you know, I just, um, you know, I turned myself in and, and, um, you know, Judge Bennett said, you know, there's obviously something. And she actually, you know, some, some people that had, you know, done some time and they came back to visit her. They said, you know, there's this man that I was locked up with that's changed my life, you know, by reading to me. And, and word got back to her of this transformation of me because I confused her, you know, it was like, wait a minute, what's, why does this guy keep coming back and getting arrested? You know, it was like, you know, this doesn't make sense. And so, um, but she heard about this transformation and she says, I'm not going to get in the way of it. And she set me free. She said, go pay it forward. And that's what I'm doing today. Wow. Yeah. Six years, almost seven years. That is, that's a crazy story. So I when I first heard it. I was like, what in the world? What's going on? Really? Like, right, how, right. it was that easy. Right. And if you really just do good, good things will come. Yes. But for me, what it was, was to, uh, was to make the choice not to stop doing things for me. And that's to do things for others and to serve, um, expecting nothing in return. And, you know, and like M2, The Rock, the whole thing. I didn't sit in prison and like say, I'm going to be a, a public speaker and have a podcast and, you know, have this great story and go out and change. The, never entered my mind. And, and like what I'm doing today is like everything that M2, The Rock, when you look at it like this right here, I don't, I've never reached out to any, it happens like our connection, yep. you know, how we made was a friend of a friend that said, Hey, you need to check out M2 and it all worked out. Right. And yep. that's, you know, I'm all about attraction, not promotion. And, you know, that's how it's all worked out. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger that's, as a result of what I'm still doing today. And basically I'm still reading to people and, and sharing my story, um, you know, and, in my faith by, by my actions. Powerful. Stories oh, my. are powerful. Oh, absolutely. And people don't understand mm-hmm. how stories can change lives. And us men and women as well. Absolutely. Opening up and being vulnerable about what's happened in our life. Right. One, it does two things. Every time you heal or every time you say your story, every time you speak your story, it has less ownership over you. That's right. You're releasing that. Right. Every single time. That's right. Two, your story's helping somebody else. That's right. Giving them inspiration, motivation, and maybe changing that mindset. Right. You well, it, it, you know, it, it's, um, you know, the way that I, you know, I'm not on this campaign to, um, um, you know, it, it's not about me. It's, it's not about me. It's about my experiences that I went through. You know, my goal today, you know, my mission is... Hold to, on. We're going to get there. Okay. We're not talking about that mission yet. Okay. We're going to save that to the end. Okay. Because people need to know the mission. Yeah. Because the mission is important. Yeah. It's hugely important. But your life hasn't always been on that trajectory, especially when you're growing up as a kid. Right. You know, yeah, you didn't I, always have this view, this outlook. No, not at all. And some of this stuff and the the glamour what people saw you outside in public was not what's happening inside the house two different worlds were going on that's right you know exactly right and you spoke a little bit about your dad uh was your dad an alcoholic no my i mean i've spilled more alcohol than my dad's drank you know he maybe had two beers a year that was it um you know I had other family members that were um were you know as an alcoholic 
you know, the disease of drug addiction and alcoholism, the most, most frustrating thing for everybody is the only, it's the only disease that has to be self-diagnosed. I can't say that someone's an alcoholic. I can see the behaviors, okay, and recognize it. And the reason why I recognize it is because I did it, you know, but you can't sit there and diagnose someone as an addict or an alcoholic. Um, but I was surrounded by um, a lot of confusion. Um, and then, you know, the sexual abuse, um, you know, by my grandfather, who was a cop, you know, you know growing up. Your, your grandfather, a cop, mm-hmm. serve or protect. On my mom's side. On your mom's side. Mm-hmm. Was sexually abusing you. Yes. Yeah, I kept that a secret for a long time. And, you know, I was a loner. You know, I always had a lot of people around me and everything that. But I never had a best friend. I, I never had anybody close. I didn't do slumber parties. I didn't go into showers and, you know, stuff like that because I was just, it was just um, um, this, these symptoms of, you know, sexual abuse, which yeah. I didn't know. It was the triggers. Time. Yeah. You know, those those were triggers. And, and, and we'll get into that story because as a result of forgiveness um, and we talk about resentments, you know, the number one offender that's killing the human race is resentments. And, you know, when I have a resentment, it's because I play a role in it. And you know, it's like, wait a minute, you played a role in your grandfather sexually abusing you? And I said, absolutely, I did. And you forgave him? The role I played in it was I chose to hold on to the resentment. And um, and, and it festered where I was hurting other people, including myself. And when I chose to hold on to that resentment and I looked at the role I played in it, um, and truly forgave him, which was part of the awakening in prison, um, God flexed his muscle and showed the supernatural. And I got a great story about that is that I was driving to a, you know, a place to speak and I just kind of didn't know what I was talking about. And um, I go to this place and walk in there and there's the men's bathroom and there's a wall urinal, two of them in the stall and guys in the wall urinal, I can't go next to him. You know, I just never could. And I wait for the guy to get out and I go in there. So when I come out into the room to speak to this group is actually at a treatment center. I shared that story, just what just happened. Cause that's what I do. I just transparent to share what I'm feeling and what's going on. Um, two guys were bawling, crying on the front row. One guy comes up to me and just hugs me. He says, you saved my life because that's exactly what I struggled with. I didn't think anybody thought like that. And as I was driving back, looking at it, processing it, that's where I really started seeing things through God's perspective. I'm like going, wow, God's using my grandfather now for me to share the story. And it's helping these, help this man. Two months later, my emails are blowing up from all over the country on how my story and my show and everything I'm doing is saving their life and saving all these people's lives. And I'm like, what is going on? And little did I know that by me being transparent and forgiving and accepting the role I play in it and sharing this story in this one event, okay, that guy's dad was the president of Securus Telecommunication, which is government communication for all FBI, White House, courthouses, every jail, every prison, that he put into the rock on every single tablet in every jail, in every prison in the country. So, oh, wow. So this show right here will be on the tablet where every inmate will hear the show that you and I are doing. 
Wow, that's amazing. As a result of forgiveness. So God is using that situation for good. You know, he could do a lot of great things, God. Yeah. Many, many great things. And we're going to take a break. Okay. When we get back from break, I'm going to tell you how I questioned my faith. And I didn't think God was real anymore. So talk about that. We're going to get, we're going to take a break. But remember, this show couldn't be made possible without Dream Team with EXP Realty. Give them a call if you're in San Diego and wanting a home, sell a home, do anything with a house, give those guys a call. And don't forget to go to our Patreon, become a member, $3 a month, and you get some great, great content with it. Early access, live recordings, and a chance to win Red, White, and Badass Brew coffee every single month. We're going to be back. Hey, Cat Badasses, our Patreon is live and accepting memberships right now. And for only $3 a month, you get some cool benefits with it. Chance to win Red, White, and Badass Brews coffee every month and exclusive content, just to name a few. So go to the link, go to our Patreon account, and become a Cab Badass member. Welcome back, badasses. If you haven't listened yet, you should have, because we got Michael Mothan here in the studio. But this wouldn't be possible without our sponsors, Next Level Lender and Go Man Go Productions. Also, don't forget the Patreon. Go become a member. So we were just talking about Christianity, Spirit of God, and I really guess, second guess that God existed. I was at my worst, and my girlfriend at the time was at my dinner table, and we were sitting there. And I am at this time have a lot of suicidal ideologies. Yeah. Still fighting this demon inside me and going not just what's happened in the last year or two years, but really what's happened in my whole entire life. Because like you, I also am a victim of uh, child abuse and child, uh, uh, sexual assault. Yeah. And my life at the time, I, I, I just didn't want to be there. I just, and I didn't want her in my life. I didn't want anything in life, but she was kind of a rock for me as well. So it was a good person having my life at the time. And I was at my dinner table and I told her, you know what? I don't, I don't think I believe in God anymore. And she watched uh, Greg Groeschel from Live TV. Do you know who mm-hmm. that is? Yeah. yeah. So she watched him on iPhone or iPad or whatever on Sundays. And I wasn't going to church or I wasn't doing anything with the church. And so she looks at me. She's like, just stunned. And she didn't have anything to really say. So I was like, all right, that's that. And we were talking. And my phone goes off and I look at it and I get a message on Facebook messenger from the pastor of my church. 
We're talking about 10 minutes after I just told her, I do not believe in God. I don't think he exists. Hmm. And I get a Facebook message from Brandon. He's like, hey, man, you've been on my mind. Wow. Can I take you out to lunch next week? That's what's up. And I looked at it and I chuckled and I told her her name was Megan. Uh, Well, that's funny. I guess God uses Facebook Messenger too. Yeah. And I chuckled and I just let it sit there for a minute because now I'm reeling into this thought of like, what the fuck? Yeah. Are you serious? So I go back to it. Yeah, man, let's meet up. So we meet up and, uh, we, you know, we, I think it was Chili's in Santee. We eat Chili's, man. It was good, good little talk, good conversation. Yeah. He's like, Hey, what's really going on with you? And I, I'm, I don't want to talk to him. I, I'm showing up because I didn't really tell my story. I didn't talk about myself. I didn't do that. Yeah. And he's like, look, you have a lot of pain. What, what's going on? So I told him a little bit what's going on with me uh, and my daughter who attempted suicide, my oldest daughter. He's like, dude, you're going through a lot. He goes, what do you need help with? I was like, well, I'm trying to get her into therapy. I can't get any therapy. Uh, they're booked up for six months. And I think six months from now, it's going to be too late. Yeah. He's like, well, let me see what I can do. He goes, but are you okay financially? I'm like, well, no. At this point, I'm like behind on my mortgage almost. And, uh, but I didn't tell him. I was like, yeah, I'm all right. He goes, hey, I got $2,000 for you. I don't know what it'll do for you, but hopefully it'll make your life a little easier today. And I was like, wow. Well, I started crying. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a grown man, start bawling like a baby Yeah. in Chili's. Yeah. So we hug and we stay in contact. My daughter gets into therapy. And now I could never question if God is real again, because he really, I didn't even pray. It wasn't even a prayer. Yeah. I didn't ask him for help. I didn't yeah. say, God, man, this one time, you know, we, I think we've all had that prayer, right? right. This one time, if you help me out, I swear to God, yeah. I'll never look at porn again. Yeah. Uh, or I'll never do something again. It was nothing like that. This was purely out of the blue, just dropped in there. Uh, now it's not to your, you know, credit, you know, getting released out of prison, but it was like, holy crap. Like, I, I can't believe he is actually doing this to me and being real. And, uh, that, that was, I've never questioned God again. That was your burning bush moment. What do you mean by burning bush moment? Well, it's like, you know, the Bible, you know, Moses comes across this burning bush, you know. I, I've had many burning bush moments in my life, but I was the one lighting the bush on fire, right? <laughs> but um, you, you said some key words there um, that I can relate to that, you know, I'm not a victim. You know, I, I, I played the victim role my entire life. And... I mean, I thought it was justifiable and, and I would hang out with people that would co-sign on my resentments, right? Um, and now that I look at it through a different perspective, God's perspective today is that, you know, I grew up and I said, I, wow, I can't imagine, you know, what my mom went through growing up, you know, with this man. Um, I can't imagine what my dad grew up as far as the expectations that he was, you know, trained to you know, do, you know, they didn't grow up with any you know, biblical foundation, um, as I didn't either. And, you know, I don't have any religious trauma. We just didn't do church or anything like that. But, you know, I can relate to your story is that, is that, you know, 
God will show up, you know, when it's unexpected, but you know, there's a word used in the Bible a lot. It's called suddenly and God will suddenly make a change and your prayers were answered. You know, I'd say these foxhole prayers, you know, you know, if you're real come into my life and all that. And, um, and it finally shows up, you know, we, we want things now. Um, and that's a beautiful story, what you just shared there. Yeah. God is real. And so what we do is to make him more real, we get closer to him. Yeah. You can't, yeah. it's not going to, that's not how it works. Yeah. We don't pray right now. And three minutes later. Well, it's just comes. like we get a relationship with a, with a girl, you know, when we start out, man, we are transparent, we're vulnerable, we're creating this intimate relationship, we're listening to them, we're talking to them. And then as the relationship gets older and older, these conversations get smaller and smaller, right? And so what happens is, is we grow apart. It's no different than, you know, talking you know, to God that way. Um, it's, it's an intimate relationship where we're talking. And, and, and I challenge people who are watching and listening to this, you know, I don't have time for King James version prayers. You know, I talk to God like I'm talking to you. You know, hey God, you know, like before the show, you know, I go in the bathroom and I say, you know, God put the words in my mouth to say, you know, they can be of service to someone else, you know, to help, to help Dustin, to help the producer, to help, you know, someone listening or watching that can help them to get to do, get them to do what you're doing right now. And that's that head nodding up and down. You know, that's where the connection is made. That's where the spirit's moving. And, you know, these church words that I say now, you know, that are the spirit moving and, you know, the word of God and all that. You know, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I deliver it in a different way where I want people to understand it that we're in my position too. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be this um, religious robot. You know, when it comes to religion, I'm an agnostic, you know, I want nothing to do with it. Um, but when it comes to the word of God and they call it the gospel, um, I'm all about it. You know, I am all about it and, I, and I'm knee deep in it every day. And then I share to the world through my actions, not my words, what it's doing in my life where someone goes, you know what? I want what he's got. You know what I mean? I want what he's got. Well, actions always speak louder than words. Absolutely. We can always say a word. A word is easy. Yeah. And so, you know, our faith is measured by feet, not lips. And so, you know, my biggest character defect my whole life was this mouth. You know, I could, I could spit box anybody. I want more fist fights without throwing a punch. Right. And now um, it's my greatest asset because I'm speaking from, the heart, the spirit, as opposed to the mind. Um, and then when I do go into relapse behavior where I start getting into me um, and, and it controls my mouth, I recognize it. That's the big difference. I recognize what I'm well, doing. What do you do when you start going into that relapse behavior? Well, first of all, I recognize it. And then I talk to my mentor, you know, my mentor that I talk to every single day saying, hey, um, I'm doing this. It's always a result of fear. How, how important is a mentor huge. in sobriety? It's huge. I think it's important um, in everything, you know, someone who is who has been through it and has that experience because like people say, you know, I pray to God, but I don't hear him. Okay. Well, God speaks through people. You know, he will speak through people uh, for me uh, to get my answers. And, and, and they're simple answers. You know, it's nothing like real laid out, complicated, you know, you know, Christ for me is a very simple person for a complicated person like me. 
And so it's very simple. And that is, you know, the solution to fear is one thing and that's to talk about it, you know, and that's what I heard you say at Chili's is that you basically opened up and, and shared your fear. And every time I do that, it's like, I ain't no big deal, you know, and I feel better. A hundred percent. And at that time I didn't know that power. Yeah. All I know, all I knew how to do was hold it in. Right. I was never allowed to release it. I was never allowed to be vulnerable. I was growing up as a child. Couldn't really show it. Yeah. So I speak about this a lot, you know, um, fear is an opportunity. And and if you break fear down into an acronym, it stands for false evidence appearing real. Right. Especially when you talk to a man, when I talk to a man, you know, you know, I can, I can see, uh, I can recognize this because I do it too, is that you're in a lot of fear and they'll stud up and I ain't scared of nothing. I said, I didn't say scared. That's a whole different thing. Scared's really happening. Someone's got a gun to my head, right? I'm scared. That's scared. I'm I'm concerned, right? But fear is, it's, it's, it's not real. So it's an opportunity for my faith to grow or it's the opportunity for me to go to prison, right? To relapse. If I don't do anything with the emotion of fear, it turns into a resentment. And if I don't do anything resentment, it turns into anger. Then it turns into rage. And then it turns into isolation. Then it turns into paranoia. And it can be as simple as, you know, me texting my other half, I love you, Right? I didn't ask a question. I just, I love you. And she doesn't respond. Okay. Now I have a resentment. And here I am, you know, recovery Jesus, you know, going to speak. This really happened. I'm going to speak to an event. Now I got a resentment. You know, what's that look like today for me? It's like, it's internal. Like, you know, I'm in resentment. I don't do anything with resentment. Then it turns into anger. I kind of got amped up inside. Really? We're going to do this? Well, you know, I sent you a text. I love you, you know? I got expectations, right? Expectations always lead us up to a resentment. The number one cause of the human race, death, you know, resentment, unresolved. If I don't do anything with the real feeling of anger in this simple text, remember, I didn't ask her a question. It turns into rage. I kind of grab the steering wheel a little tighter, all right? If I don't do anything with the feeling of rage, that turns into isolation. Okay, when you text back, I'm not responding. I'm gonna punish you. Like when I get home, I'm not even talking to you over a simple text. I was just fine that morning. And if I don't do anything to feel isolation, it turns into paranoia. And I'm making up stories in my head that she's run off with somebody else, you know, everything. And I'm like out there. And then, you know, and this is a real story. And I got up and, and, and did what I preach about, talk about the solution to fears to talk about. So I'm talking about it in front of this group. And I kid you not, here I am six hours into this text has not responded back. And when I get done speaking, my phone buzzed. And it says, I love you too. I'm so sorry my battery was dead. And I'm like, well, I got needles in my arm and I'm locked up. I need you to come bond me out. Something so little, right? Yeah. As, as a result of unresolved fear turns into that. But guess what? The solution to fear is one thing. It's to talk about it, right? Talk about it to another healthy mentor that can relate. And it gets it out, you know? And my mentor would say, bro, you texted her. You, have ex- you didn't ask her a question. Yeah, you just said- It's tripping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, we, so we talk about it, you know what I mean? And so that right there is so relatable to everybody, even not even drug addicts, alcoholics. But that's, that's a huge thing, especially in this day and age with yeah. technology just yeah. right here at his fingertips. Right. It's like- it, I, same thing. I had a, a girlfriend, same 
same way. I was, I'm working and I'm busy and I'm not glued to my phone. I'm not yeah. like yeah. always on my phone. Yeah. I'm working. And neither is she. I, yeah. I know that. Yeah. I, I'm working. And she's like, oh, took you six hours to respond back to me. I'm like, you want me to just wait by my phone for you to text? Like what, what the fuck? Like right. I'm not doing that. Right. I am not waiting by my phone for you to text. Right. And she would get pissed. Right. And what's the big deal? I'm on the phone with you now. Right. You know? Well, the whole meaning behind that illustration that I painted right. out was it's these simple things. It's the ants that will drive us to suicide. It's not the elephants in the front yard destroying our landscape. We don't trip about that, but it's the ants that will drive us into suicide. And if we don't talk about it, that's the key. It, that's, that's it. And that's the thing is getting it out in the open. And that's what, and Brandon was not the guy inspiration for me getting open. Mm-hmm. I just told him a little bit. I didn't tell him everything that went on. Right. Just a little bit that happened. Right. And it wasn't until I went to military influencer conference. Yeah. And I met a guy by the name, Dan Manning. And he got up there and had a, had a, a workshop of storytelling. That's what it's called. Storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, that's interesting. We'll go see what this guy has to say. And he's an F-18 pilot. Don't quote me on that. So uh, I think he is F-18 pilot, but good guy. Anyway, he's a pilot. Yeah. And he was telling this story about how he was in clouds and flew through this and he got turbulence and it was jerking him all around. And, uh, but his, how he was telling his story, I was like, wow, I am just, I'm mesmerized by this guy's story. Right. After I went up to him, said, hey, I was really mesmerized by how you told that story. Uh, that's powerful. He's like, oh, hey, I appreciate it. And he looks at me, what's your story? Uh, yeah, uh, dropout. And I, actually, I didn't have to say high school dropout. It's like, oh, just military, retired and construction business. And now I'm doing coffee. He's like, wow, man, you actually told me nothing. Huh. And I was like, what the, what do you want me to tell you? So I did a do over. And uh, again, he's like, yeah, he's like, I was like, well, where do you want me to start? And so I started down my story and me and him both were in tears. Yeah. And he's like, we need to have a conversation. We need to talk. Yeah. So end up now two months after that military influence conference. And I, I'm fuzzy on the details and time frame, But anyway, I went to uh, Veterans of Business Network and they were having a panel, um, uh, a panel. It was the failure or the, the hardships of success. Mm-hmm. And they asked me to be on it. So I asked them, okay, Sean, well, well, I'll be on it. And we were really had these set questions. And he worked with me on my story and before it, and about an hour before I go up there, I talked to the guy who's the moderator. I said, hey, do you mind if I tell my story? He's like, no, no. He's like, what are you going to talk about? I was like, oh, how I did this, this, this. And I gave him the, the very tiny brief. And I went up there and told my story. First time I've never told my story publicly, never went out about it. Um, and there was 250 people in this room. Wow. I was scared I was scared, yeah, you know, but I also had some imposter syndrome. I was scared now. Oh, what if I say it? They don't believe me. What if they laugh at me? What if I don't get it? Nobody pays attention. Everybody's just on their phone. You know, uh, what if it doesn't resonate? All these if, if isms, right? I was so scared. Well, I've never had my palms sweaty and my feet sweaty. 
but I was sweating up a storm. Get up on stage and I tell my story from start to finish. And at the end of it, nobody comes and talks to me. Now I have this instant regret of telling my story. Hmm. And not one person came up and said, damn, dude, you went through a lot. I'm glad you're here. So I went and kind of hid out in our VIP room, changed my shirt, went back out there about an hour later, still nothing. And it wasn't until about four hours later, because there was a whole bunch of workshops still going on. About four hours later, people are like coming and finding me like, oh my God, I had a grown man, six foot five, start talking to me about his story. And we start crying together. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh my God, like, and I'm looking at this guy, this is a bear of a man. Yeah. And then other people start coming up to me. Right. To this day, that event we go to, people are like, dude, your story has impacted me. Your story has impacted the way I, I has changed my life, has changed the way I interact with my kids to change the way now I do my business. Also, a couple of people at that event were there suicidal yeah. and got them help. I honestly was not prepared for that moment in my life. Right. I wasn't prepared for me to tell my story to somebody come to me right. and go, Hey, I need help. Yeah. Totally unprepared for that. Now I'm prepared. Now, if they do that again, I'm like, I got you. I got the resources. But going back to that word fear, I was fearful that nobody would be like, ah, oh, I would instant regret. It goes back to is that we have expectations. So when we have, when I have expectations, when I set expectations, okay, I'm going to end up with a resentment. Okay. Um, You know, true acceptance has, you know, no resentments. When I speak and and people who want to speak, they ask me, like, do you lay it all out? Do you plan it? And I say, no. I said, simply when I tell my story, it's, it's, it's what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today. What it was like is about that much of my story. What happened is the hook. And what it's like today is the huge part of my story. And that's what's so attractive because they, they are attracted to your story because everybody loves a story of redemption. Yep. Okay. Everybody loves a story of a seeing a man or a woman that's in solution today. Um, we don't like stories of hearing, I'm the victim, I'm the victim, I'm the victim, I'm the victim, I'm the victim. It's kind of like, hey, when the pain gets bad enough and you accept the role that you play in it, then you'll have a story. Um, and that was me for my whole life. You know, I'd much rather have been right than happy, you know? Absolutely. And so, um, you know, that's how we del- how I deliver it today. And what's great about it is, is when I speak and, and the sound, you know, hope you understand is that uh, I'm not doing this show with you today. I'm doing it for me. It helps me. It gets me out of self. It gets me out of my head. Like this interview right now that we're doing, I haven't once thought about the future. I haven't once thought about the past. I haven't once thought about committing suicide. Why? Because I'm out of self and I'm right here, right now in the safest place in the world because this is where God's at. And I don't want anything. I don't want anything from you. You know, we talked, my mission is is real simple. It's not to influence other people. It's not to make friends, to be popular. My mission is 
through my, is to share with everyone through my experience to start seeing life through God's perspective, not the world's perspective. How they do that. How did they do that? Yes. To see it through God. Well, it's to make that commitment to get out of self and seek the invisible for the first time to fix their visible problems. See, my whole life, I was seeking visible things to fix my invisible problems. And so once I made that decision and it was made for me and I understood it, um, I'm a whole new person. That's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. What, what is your, it, we, we touched on this a little bit in mentorship, you know, and, and you said that's everything mm-hmm. in sobriety, right? Because it's accountability. Well, it's also everything in, in, in the workplace, you know, you have a mentor, your new job. Um, uh, it's also, it's very important that, um, you know, and, and, you know, someone who becomes a Christian, right. And they're, they feel this thing and they're on fire is to immediately get a mentor that's solid. It's not Christianese, you know what I mean? It's, but it's solid that can walk you through it of, uh, to prepare you as opposed to like, I'm a Christian. Now I'm going to go be a preacher and I'm going to go, you know, open up all this stuff. Uh, becoming a Christian is to, uh, to basically work work through your program and, and say, okay, now I've I've accepted Christ and I need to do an inventory on myself. I need to um, uh, repent and confess and then make amends um, and all these things. And after a result of that, then we go give it away and we can help people who struggle with resentments and struggle with anger and we can you know, provide solutions based off of what was given to us. You know, one thing that I, I have, I, I've always struggled with and I've always seen people and this is my family too. Like you spoke with alcoholism uh, and drug addicts. Uh, but my two older kids, mother is a, is a drug addict mm-hmm. and, uh, and a gambler. Mm-hmm. And she goes through these bouts of sobriety, mm-hmm. but she never, no, a program, no mm-hmm. program, mm-hmm. no, tw- no t- uh, 12 steps, yeah. no mentorship. You know, how do people stay sober? And I know it's on them, but what's the tools they can use to help them stay sober? Well, sober is a powerful word. Okay. There's what's called dry and there's sober. Um, I've had, I, you know, I had my last drink and drug May 29th, 2017. Have I been sober every minute since? No. I mean, there's some thoughts that I have and there's some character defects that creep back up, but sobriety is recognizing them now, right? That fear and that angst and I recognize it, you know. Um, you know, for, for someone to get sober, um, it, it's... It's they make that commitment, you know, first is, you know, admit that you're powerless over blank, you know, it could be alcohol, drugs, whatever visible thing that has got your life unmanageable and you're powerless over it, which means like, um, I'm not going to drink today. And I end up getting drunk again today and I'm like, wait a minute, I, I, I can't do this. Um, the second thing is, is to get into a support group of like people who can relate you know, where you feel safe. That's why when you go to these 12, you know, I don't wave any flag for any support group, you know, I protect their anonymity, but, you know, they had these support group meetings that I attend and, and they go and 
that's when you say, I'm Michael, I'm an alcoholic or Michael, I'm a drug addict. And it makes them feel safe uh, that they're in the right room and there's a connection, you know, and then you work these steps um, of learning to trust God, clean house, and then help others. And you have to have a mentor to do that. You cannot do that alone. No, I, there's men, no way. And men work with men and women work with women. That is paramount. Yeah, I, I agree. I yeah. don't think you can walk this thing, right. uh, this road right. that's not paved and it's going to be full of potholes right. alone. And for the loved ones, you know, that drugs and alcohol aren't their choice. You know, how can they help? Is they do it by their actions, not their words. They go work a program because for the loved ones, the person in their family that is in addiction, okay, um, we, you can't tell them, you have to show them, you know, so they become your drug of choice, you know, for the moms and dad, you know, junior becomes their dope, you know, that's their drug because they're doing everything they can to fix it. I mean, you know, having an addict in the family is like throwing a hand grenade in the middle of a family reunion and all the family members jump on the hand grenade, you know, yeah. um, because actually the family members actually become more sick than the addict. Wow. Yeah. You know, so what do you want people to take away, man? What's the takeaway that you want? I guess the takeaway, you know, you know, from, from what we're, what, what I'm doing is, is that, um, is to admit that we're all addicts, you know, and to, um, know that there is a, you know, there's the invisible that is the solution, you know, and for me, um, it's Christ, you know, it, it works for me. I'm not this guy that goes around and says, you must accept Jesus Christ or you're not going to heaven. I don't have that kind of power, right? I don't sit there and go, hey, um, M to the rock, you know, in the first quarter brought 400 people to Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, I don't have that kind of power. <laughs> you know what I mean? But my takeaway is real simple. I just continue reading to people just like I did Uwe. That's what I do is I just continue telling my story and I'm being transparent um, and sharing stories of my, of walking through the day going, ah, I see why God allowed that to happen. Are you going to write a book? I am. Is it going to be named Uwe? No, 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 no. We're working on the name. and and, Wouldn't that be a perfect name for it? Like Uwe, like. Yeah, so. We're going to make the announcement real soon. It's one of the reasons why I'm in California. We were in LA on Monday and, and a well-known um, writer, uh, screenplay, talking about book and movie. Um, uh, it's It's been a very exciting week. And once again, um, they came to me. You know what I mean? It's like I didn't, I did, writing a book has never been in my game plan. A movie has never been in my game plan. My game plan is, I don't have a game plan. If I make a game plan, we're all going to prison, okay? (laughs) I don't have it. It's just to continue to serve and to use my personal daily experiences and share with the world going, hey, this bad thing I thought was bad, this detour happened in my life today, but I looked at it through God's perspective and this is what I learned from it. You know, I can't wait to tell you, you know, both my arms are blown off, but I can't wait to tell you how great God used this story so I can tell other people how great he is. But I don't have any arms, but we good. We Gucci. We're fine. (laughs) I didn't need him anyways. (laughs) So that's that's my mission. Yeah, you've been on the road, man. So 
you know, and I'm just thankful you're in San Diego and yeah. you'd be willing to come on the show here. And man, you know, can I share something really cool? Yes. So I, we just moved to um, a new house and I had no idea where to get my hair cut. Right. So I just get on Google Maps, you know, salon near me and it's a Monday. So most places are closed and I walk in this place and this lady's here and you could tell it's all girl, you know, it's like cut and cut and color and all that stuff. I was like, I'm in the wrong place. And she says, no, I can, I can cut your hair. So she cut my hair and, and, you know, we're talking or anything like that, just a little bit. And, and I'm real quiet. I'm real quiet outside of here. And so um, I ended up showing her my, I am second. Uh, I am second did a, a film on me, a nine minute film that it's gotten over 30 million views on all, all these platforms. And, and so she watched it and she just had tears coming down her eyes, you know, and um, she wasn't even supposed to be there that day. I get a text from her like at three in the morning. Okay. And she says, you were supposed to be there that day because I was really having really serious thoughts of just not wanting to be on this planet anymore. And as a result of that, um, her close friend um, is Brandy. And Brandy's the one that connected us. And I said, I'm happen going to be in California in LA. And so Brandy connected you and I in another show uh, here in, in San Diego that I was on earlier this week. And as a result of that, I get to share my story on these different platforms as a result of me just being transparent and honest to a chick that was cutting my hair that impacted her life. Um, and here all this happens. It just, and so I see it through God's perspective. When I look through it, the old me, it's all about me. I would have never even thought about Stephanie who cut my hair. It would have been about me. I'm like, wow, God, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing you know, and, and how it's affecting her life. And, um, Lee how's Mag she doing today? It's great. Like Lee McGuire, who's, who's the president of our nonprofit. She went and got her uh, hair, you know, colored by her. They become very good friends. And Lee is just, she's has such an impact on my life and, and helping me. And, and she's, you know, they become friends and she's helping her out. You know, they just, they're talking. That's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just chopping it up, texting and Lee's in solution. And, uh, she's got a great story and and it's just beautiful that seeing things through God's perspective, just in that one little situation brought me to you. That is so crazy. Just I just went to get a haircut. A little, go get a haircut. You're, well, not normal barber, uh, but yeah. you know, finding a new one close to home. One. Yeah. And it just, led you to here. Yeah. I was coming here anyways, you know, and, and then it was just. Um, That's the, just the connection. Happens to me every day. And and I and when I see these things happening, these are the stories I share on my platforms. And it has nothing to do with drugs and alcohol. Yeah. It's because I'm looking at life through God's perspective and not mine. <laughs> so it, it, into the rock, what is that? So Michael Moulton is MM, you know, yeah. so M2. Uh, and the rock, I, I came up with the rock because I realized that every time I was hitting rock bottom, and this is in the book Detours, every time I was hitting rock bottom, I realized that the rock at the bottom at all these times was God. So I stayed at the bottom and I let people like, ooh, we, and I let uh, godly men um, pull me out of the bottom because the tools that got me to rock bottom Anger, resentment, rage, 
you know, revenge uh, were the same tools I was using to get out of rock bottom. I'm never going to drink alcohol and do drugs again, but I'm going to show you, you know, and, I, and the Rocky music would play in my head, you know, dun, 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 dun. And I, and I had it all planned. I'm going to show you, I'm going to come back and take over the, the real estate industry and all that. And I set up expectations and God said, uh-uh, uh-uh. So at the end of the day, you know, you know, God set the bond and he gave Jesus the key and he put it in the gate and set me free. And he can do that for everyone. Dude, yes, 100% he can. Yeah. He also gave you a really badass name. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that is it's stuck. And that, so but when I saw M to the Rock, I was like, damn. Yeah. I like how that sounds. Yeah. That's it's a, stuck. And then I am second. You touched on the video. Mm-hmm. You know, what what does that mean though? I am second. Christ is first and I'm second. You know, and I and if I get that out of order, if I make if I make today, if I make it about me, okay, I'm going to the penitentiary. <laughs> right? But if I serve him, okay, you know, he, you know, don't put my name in your mouth. Just go show the world who I am. You know, go show the world who I am. And um, apparently it's helping me, you know. What's next for you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I really don't. I'm, and here's a guy that, you know, ran a successful business and I was forecasting and, you know, doing all these things. Um, you know, I just... Um, I do exactly what God told me. He says, just walk. So I'm just walking, you know, just following my feet. And I'm not Pollyanna, you know, I mean, you know, you know, it's like we talked about earlier. It's like, you know, um, okay, Michael, I got a plan. I got to look into the future. Absolutely. But I take someone else with me that is on the same path, a mentor, a godly man with me. And when I do that, I get the feeling of hope. And if I go into the past with this same man together, all right, I get the feeling of gratitude. And that's where it's at. Michael, you're a badass man. <laughs> so are you. You really are. You got a great story. I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, I, these, in this, this is about you. This isn't about me. It's, you know, I love, we have to get these things out here. Yeah. Cause let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. I, did you think about committing suicide at all during this show? No, no, uh, I don't think about committing suicide ever. It's a show. No, okay. Absolutely not. Cause I'm present. There you go. I'm present. You're out of self. Yep. Isn't that amazing? I'm being present. Yeah. And so how do we do that after the show for the listeners and followers that ask that question? How do I get into the now? The way we get it into the now is to serve someone. It could be as simple as just send three text messages out to three people. Have a great day. Just do that. And it gets us in the now is serving. You know, the man, I've, well, I think we could talk for hours. Mm-hmm. I'm, because not only are you doing that, but imagine if you sent that text message out. And it was somebody who needed it. Yep. You know, you may think you picked it. It was probably God picking them. He just showed you who to pick. Yep. It's that it's, simple thing. It's that powerful. It's that little things. Those little gestures can 
change somebody's life. Yeah. Hey, I was just thinking just about day. you. I haven't, I haven't talked to you in a while. And I just wanted to think, I was thinking about you. I just, uh, I have a great day. You know, in this, that's it. In this life right now, especially, I think it's so easy to talk about the suicide ideology mm-hmm. because of how prevalent it is on our smartphones. It's yeah. always in our face. You know, one thing that I, I say is somebody's going through something. Don't be afraid to ask them if they're suicidal. Yeah. You asking them the question is not going to make them suicidal. That's a great point. That's a really good point. It won't make them suicidal. Yeah. It's not going to make them like, well, I wasn't now, but yeah. might as well end it today. Yeah. No, they're going to give you an answer and it's usually going to be clear cut and you can tell. Right. No, I'm not suicidal. Right. Or they're going to be like, what are you talking about? What? Yeah, right. No. You're like, wow, I didn't say no. It, and we've hide, we hide this because we're all this superhero in our own movie. And f- what we're talking about is going out. And when I was in that he- that headspace, I would walk out of my house, put the cape on, right? Boom! Right. Everybody's like, "Dude, Dustin's got the life. Right? He's got whatever going on, cars, right. everything else." But when I walk back in my house. Complete disarray and shambles. Mm-hmm. I was barely a functioning human being. Yeah. The, the common denominator in my personal experience of depression, when I get in depression or bouts of it or, or suicidal thoughts, you know, the common denominator every single time is I'm thinking about me. Every time. That's the common denominator. You know, I'm going to have to do, I'm going to have to reflect on yeah, that. Yeah. I'm thinking about me. And so the reason, the way I came up with that is looking at it through God's perspective. I'm like, oh God, I got to stop. I'm thinking about me, you know? And sometimes, you know, I remember I was real comfortable with that. You know, a lot of, you know, I remember just being comfortable being in morbid reflection and angry. It was a drug to me. It was a drug. And today, and today, um, today I don't live that life. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and one of the things is, even if you stop thinking about suicide ideology, it doesn't mean it's not going to creep back up in your life. Well, and, and for, you know, there's, there's non-believers and there's, you know, you know me being uh, this new creature in Christ and, 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 and as a believer, it's called spiritual warfare is what it is. And that's where the thoughts come into my mind um, in my own voice. And, and it's not real. No, it, it's, it's not, you know, and you, you got to continually to work on it. Yep. It's getting, but it's present. recognizing it now. That's what the cool thing is. It's recognizing it. And it's all a result of me thinking about me. And it's a result of fear. Yeah. Fear, financial insecurity. I'm in the future alone in my head. So. That's awesome, man. Michael, thank you again oh, for coming on the show. You're a badass. Where can people find you? Just go to m2therock.com. Uh, That's our website. Um, and the letter M, the number two, the rock, you know, R-O-C-K dot com. And all of our social media platforms are there. Uh, we're on all the social media uh, platforms, uh, m2therock. And so um, come see me. And we're on all the podcast channels and um, and then a special shout out to all the inmates that will be 
listening to this behind the walls that there's hope, you know, um, you're free. That's it. Stay yeah. sober, be present and help others and help others. Yeah. You know, you're a badass, Michael. You Thank really you. are, man. And badass people deserve some badass coffee, man. All right. So what do I need? You get some red, white, and brood. Oh, thank you so much. And we'll, um, I'll take a picture of this. We'll post it on our social media platforms. Oh, man. Um, thank you so much. And no, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you for so your much. service. I thank you so much. Yeah. So stay tuned because we are now wrapping it up, but it's not done. We are going to be on Patreon and we're going to have an exclusive interview after the show with Michael. So go to our Patreon, subscribe, be a member. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit like, and also share it. Share it. And if you've got comments, we want to hear them because we want to know what you think. So again, thank you for watching Coffee Conversations at Badasses Podcast. If you have a heroic story and you'd like to share it, get in contact with us. Our information's in the bio. Also, don't forget to hit the subscribe, like, and share. And then I'll see you on the next episode, badasses.